good. Perfect. Let's see. All right. YouTube's a little bit trickier going live. Um, for those of you that are on TikTok, if you want to enter the $220 raffles, um, go on to YouTube on my concurrent stream, and uh, the, the raffle copter link is there, and that's how you enter the, the raffle. So I can't really do any, I can't really put any links up over here, but um, cool. Can you guys hear me? I can confirm the audio's on. Audio's on, yes. Audio's on. I'm going to need some confirmation from the YouTubers. Oh, perfect. Oh, you heard me on. Nia said it's working. Um, so I'm going to keep talking until you guys all yell at me. So um, I don't have too much of a market update today. You know, obviously the stock market was up quite big today, 1.6% on the S&P 500. Um, you know, we closed at, let's see, I had everything pulled up and now it's all weird. Um, the S&P closed at 3179. Uh, we've been here before, you know, once before, I believe a week or two ago, but still not kind of on the all-time 2020, or I guess since COVID highs yet. Uh, it was a strong day. It was a strong day on piggybacking off of a strong Chinese equities market. Um, you know, ISM non-manufacturing index came in uh, 12 points, uh, up 12 points, which was above expectations. Purchasing manufacturers index for services uh, also came in above expectations. Um, I would say, you know, ret uh, European ret retail sales came above expectations too. So kind of across the board, pretty good news. But I think it was generally following um, a lot of healthy bull market movement on the Chinese side. Uh, you can kind of see it's a little bit weird because the U.S. 10-year Treasury yields didn't really change so much. So I'm not really sure how sticky this rally is. Um, and again, I'm not really a huge like, you know, let's try to time every little part of the market type of guy. I'm a, a fundamental analyst that likes buying parts of really great businesses. So, um, but I like to give you a little market update when I can. I think the most interesting research report I glanced at today was uh, some deep research, institutional research I read about uh, looking at COVID-19 hospi uh, hospitalizations and mortality. And his conclusion or some of the researchers' conclusions uh, were that the overall mortality rate in the U.S. right now in July is about uh, one third of what it was in the second half of April. Now, I'm not a huge COVID researcher, so it's a little hard for me to, to speak on it confidently or at all. And I actually am learning as much as I can about COVID vaccines. And I have a lot of content coming in the pipeline, teach you guys all like how the vaccines work, uh, what therapeutics there are out there. So I'm doing as, as best as I can as a non-pharma guy um, and non-biotech guy. But, uh, you know, I do remember reading that it, there is a hunch that the the northeast kind of uh, New York City uh, strain of COVID was different from the rest of the country. I'm not really sure if that's true or not. I just remember hearing about that uh, and also kind of increased testing. I think I reading into the research report. There's a there's a there's the possibility that the increased testing is actually um, leading to milder cases being detected and a lot kind of younger folks being tested positively um, versus kind of back then we had just a lot less testing. And so the people that were testing positive were usually older, more acute and um, in more critical condition. So um, yeah, so, you know, that, I think that was, that was the biggest tidbit. I don't really have too much of a market update today. You know, it was kind of a busy day for my, for my job and, and just kind of generally catching up uh, after a holiday weekend. Hope, hopefully you all had a great holiday weekend. Um, I'm going to nip this one in the bud. It does seem like a lot of people are asking about Dogecoin. Um, the best uh, possible bull case for Dogecoin that I could, um, that I could 
really think of or remember is that Elon Musk loved trolling about Dogecoin. Uh, you all, okay, my opinion on Bitcoin versus versus um, Litecoin is just exacerbated and, and, and amplified if you can ask me about Dogecoin, right? So what is Dogecoin? Dogecoin is just a, a, a fork of the original Bitcoin, Litecoin kind of thing. Um, so it's meant to be a cryptocurrency and a, only a cryptocurrency, right? It's not supposed to be like a smart contracts or internet 3.0 play. Um, and so when you're asking me about Dogecoin versus Litecoin versus Bitcoin, um, for those of you that are just new to crypto, Dogecoin's been pumped before. Okay. So, um, just remember Dogecoin's been pumped before and it hasn't really ever gone super traction. So I think it's like if cryptocurrency is a thing and there is room in a top, in the top three to top five largest currencies in the world. Um, and if Bitcoin is going to be one of them, or maybe if Bitcoin is going to be some amalgamation of internet gold and, uh, top currency, right? Bitcoin's going to be it, not Dogecoin, not Litecoin. Um, but then again, for those of you that believe that that have the ability to play on kind of internet ups and downs and pumps and dumps, um, yeah, the pumping part two. Uh, this has happened before. This happened in 2017. Um, Dogecoin got pumped before. So, and I don't. I didn't really pay attention to it back then. I, I'm not. I didn't really follow it, so I don't really know how violently it went up and how violently it went down. So. Uh, yeah, just be careful out there. I don't think there's any fundamental reason why you'd buy and hold Dogecoin. That's that's all I can tell you, right? There's no fundamental reason why I would buy Dogecoin. Any money I would put into Dogecoin and leave in Dogecoin, I would um, I would put in Bitcoin. But I have no ability nor uh, aspirations of like sitting in front of my Coinbase Pro account and like trading in and out of cryptocurrencies. So if you guys can do that and you feel comfortable doing that, then then go ahead. But like, I, I got I got a job and I gotta create content for you all. So um, anyway, that's all that. Uh, cool. So welcome back. I, you know, uh, appreciate you all tuning in again. It's Monday, <laughs> July 6th, 2020. Happy to be here again um, after a holiday weekend. Uh, do we have voicemail questions already? Okay. Um, oh, a little point of an announcement. I hopefully the streams are much better now because as of this morning at 11 a.m. Central, uh, I got AT&T Fiber installed. So it's supposedly supposed to be one gigabyte download, one gigabyte upload. And so if I'm paying for AT&T Fiber and I'm kicking out Comcast Xfinity, my our streams should be perfect from now on and our and i my modern warfare game should also have no lag so that's what i'll be expecting <laughs> uh okay cool let's go to let's go to voicemail questions um one of my like my yeti blue microphone blew out so i'm using this and i stole nia's microphone so nia can't talk today um so uh you won't be able to hear the voicemail questions as clearly today, but I will, I will be repeating them for you all and whatever. Um, and everybody's saying it's crisper. The audio's in better sync. So good job, Nia. Good job, Nia. Appreciate you. Work, you. Sam. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Thank you so much for the question. So um, the question was about Neo. I've been asked about this a lot and I haven't really spoken about it because I haven't looked into him too closely. So I apologize just upfront. I don't have too much of an opinion on them. Um, I know they, they're getting into the kind of smart and electric vehicle game, autonomous driving vehicles. And so, I mean, it, it does seem to be very Tesla-esque. Um, but again, they are valued. When did they go public? 
let's see. So they went public in September of 18, it seems like, in a market cap of 10 billion. So, you know, they've got, let's see. They've, so I'm looking up this up real time. It seems like they are expected to do like 1.9 billion in revenue in 2020 and 2.9 billion in 2021. So if, if this is true and you got a market cap of 10 billion at $11.50. And again, this is just like, these are just, um, this is just like off of, I'm just reading off these numbers. So 10, 10 billion market cap on 2.9, let's round it up to 3 billion in 2021 revenues, right? You know, that's whatever. Three times 2021 revenues, four, three to four times. It's not crazy. It's not crazy. And I like that they already have revenue. They're already selling things. And it does seem like there is some analyst coverage on it. Um, I'll probably try to take that as a little bit of a homework item. So maybe check back on Thursday. Um, but I mean, it doesn't seem crazy, but you have to, I don't really know what the EV market is like in China. Um, you know, a lot of people have been, been saying, oh, like hydrogen's the thing in Japan. It's going to be the thing in China. And then, you know, I know China is very focused on reducing emissions and going, going cleaner. So, uh, I don't know the Chinese market as well as I know the U S market. So, um, as it pertains to, you know, I think personally, if you can invest in a company and be confident that they are kind of backed by the Chinese government, then I think they have a very good chance of doing well because basically, uh, if the Chinese government wills it, they've shown the ability to basically will these companies into, um, into succeeding, right? Because yes, they are kind of a capitalist side economy, but they're also kind of a um, kind of command economy, right? Too. So they, 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 it's like one government, it's the communist party, you know, they have certain aspects of capitalism underneath the communist system. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of the very large companies are either, either, you know, explicitly government controlled and owned and influenced, or they're implicitly controlled and owned and influenced. So if you can call it like, that's a, that's a good play. Like, right. I mean, you make money, right. That's the whole point of what we're trying to do here. So I don't really have a skin in that game. So yeah, if, I mean, it doesn't seem from these just numbers that I'm looking at on Sentio, it doesn't look crazy. And yeah, so, so family 28 is saying the government owns shares oh, in some companies. Yeah. So he's anyway. So, so if they're advertising Neo as if, if you can do some digging and say, Neo is backed by the government and this is what like the Chinese government is like pushing, you know, there's probably a good chance that they like basically say, uh, everyone moved to EVs and this is like our kind of buddies in Neo and these other three companies, right? Like that's, that's how, how they roll over there. So, um, again, sorry, I can't provide more context. Uh, for those of you new here, I am used to going really deep into companies and getting chewed out if I haven't done full, deep, deep analysis on it. So I'm probably not going to be the Jim, Jim Cramer type on a day-to-day -day basis to like know a little bit about every stock and just be able to shoot off an opinion because um, I, I generally like kind of doing my research. So um, a lot of the content I have is, is kind of more deep. Um, and I can, I can kind of give you like a first glance, but nothing that I can say anyway, anyway. And then, yeah, I do know BYD is a big, um, BYD is a big Chinese EV company as well. Um, I know BYD is kind of a, a monster over there in a good way for the BYD. So, um, yeah, I believe BYD is going to kill it. So, um, cool. So do we have another, mm -hmm. uh, Oh yeah, by the way, if you're joining me on TikTok and want to enter for one of two $20 raffles, uh, go onto my YouTube channel. You can find me, it's a couple cents or just to know on YouTube and I'm live streaming there as well. And the raffle comptor link is in the description. You're, everyone has a pretty good chance of winning every single week. Like, you know, some people have won twice. So, cool. Appreciate Oh yeah. 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 Rem I just reminding you, you're not going to hear today. I stole Nia's microphone. 
So Nia doesn't have one, so you're not going to hear the questions today. But um, I will repeat the question. So the last question is about Neo. Again, I can only tell you so much. It doesn't seem crazy overvalued for a high growth stock like that. Um, so we'll see. Cool. Hey, how you doing? Um, so I had a stock in mind. Um, you two all the civil unrest going on in like police reforms and all that stuff. Um, there was a stock that actually has been doing pretty good recently. It's having uh, started to have like a massive run up called WRTC. I just wanted you to look into it and, and like maybe um, see if there's a lot of promise. I mean, that was like it's. It, I mean, it does look really promising, you know. So I just wanted to put that out there and to get your opinion on it. Thank you. Cool. Thank you so much for the question. So the question, what, can you read me back the ticker? Yeah, it was like um, WRTC. It's had a massive run up. Oh, rap tech. Oh, yeah. So we talked about rap before. Um, so thank you so much for the question. This is another question about rap technologies, uh, ticker WRTC. Uh, we've talked about this, I would say like a month or two months ago on the live. Um, yeah. So the, the question was, it's had a massive run up. What do I think about it? Okay. So what do I think about it? They have no revenue and I'm just looking at the revenue. I mean, even in the next couple of years, they're not really expected to have too much revenue. So, and they're trading at, call it 420 million market cap. And if I just assume that's enterprise value, they're, they're, they're trading at 92 times this year's revenue, 27 times next year's revenue, which is on such a minuscule amount. And if I remember what Rap Technologies did, and again, it, rap technology. So what I, a lot of people are asking me about rap technologies, WRTC, ticker WRTC. So, um, and in the context of all this kind of police reform movement that's happening across the nation, um, you know, I don't really have an opinion on what's going to happen there, but rap technologies, I believe has, is like a, like a, almost like a taser alternative where you shoot it at a criminal or a suspect and it shoots this like uh like web or something like this like this string that like trips them up and they can't move anymore um so i'm gonna look this up just in case i misremembered it um it, yeah they make a product called bola wrap and it says policing just got safer remote handcuffs and you, you basically shoot this thing and it wraps around the people. And it's like almost from a cartoon. Um, you know, I think if they can disrupt the market, the, the market that they would disrupt is the taser market. Makes sense. And it could be a really great investment if you believe that they take the taser market by storm. I just, it's worth 400 million and they have no revenues, right? Like I don't, I don't have confidence in putting my money there when I could just buy a better company that might be slightly overvalued, right? Like, like guys, yes, Tesla is overvalued right now. Um, but you know, I also know that if I wait long enough, Tesla will be worth more than what it's overvalued at today. So like there, there's a, it's again, it's like, if you have a thousand dollars, what do you want to do with your portfolio? It does sound like some of you like to have fun with the money, which I don't disagree with, right? Fundamentally, what we are though here are equity, fundamental equity research analysts and also people that want to maximize return on investment. Um, and so when I tell, pe tell people how I prefer opinions, not advice to structure my portfolio it's a lot of like the core of it are investments that you just leave there and just make a bunch of money and have a very high degree of confidence that you're gonna make a bunch of money on right and then some of them are a little bit more speculative like gold or or bitcoin as hedges and stuff like that and then if after you take care of all your retirement accounts so that's your roth iras and like not you me if i once i've taken care of my 401ks my iras all that stuff um, 
and you have some money left over in brokerage that you would just want to play with, absolutely go play with it. But just know that there's some risk there. And I would say when you invest in a wrap technologies, when you when you invest in SHLL, when you invest in a, a Nikola back in the teens, right? Like all that stuff are pre-revenue. They don't, these companies traditionally shouldn't even be publicly listed and they should be invested in by venture capital funds. If there's one thing that I know the SEC and the Security Exchange Commission, so the SEC, Security and Exchange Commission, is working on is like all this pumping of random stocks that are revenueless, that are going through um, reverse mergers and SPAC deals. Uh, I imagine they're gonna come out and start cracking down on that stuff. So if you're in the casino, have fun. I'm probably not in there with you and I'll, sometimes I have fun and like analyze one for you. And again, I analyze SHLL. And if you're gonna play this like, I believe that the trucking market needs to get disrupted game, it's probably a better play than obviously a um, really, really overpriced Nikola. But again, even SHLL, right? They aren't big yet. They don't have that much revenue yet. So like, how do you know? I don't know, you don't know. Like honestly, as someone who's the CFO of a company, of a multi-million dollar company, I don't even know, like I, like I do projections for my business and I know because I see and I read the contracts, right? Um, and I don't even know what like my revenue is gonna do next month or next year, right? And we are a high growth but stable business with contracts and, and well-to-do like corporate customers. Um, and I'm pretty darn good at, at forecasting my, like our businesses next month maybe next few months talking to the account management team. But when you're talking about these like speculative companies that have these like salesmen like CEOs, like these guys don't even know what their, their projections are going to be right. They're human. Um, so just, just, yeah, I, I see some comments as long as I just, again, I want to caution people just know when you're, you're looking at companies like these, you're in the casino. And when you, when you touch your IRA or when you touch, when I touch my IRA or my 401k, I'm an investor. So cool. Awesome. Cool. I'm having fun already. It's Monday. Um, do we have any more? We have three more. Three more. This next one's really long. There's lots of questions. It's two minutes. Okay. Just letting you know. You might want to. Um, you can either skip it or you can go. I can read it out loud. Okay. Uh, yeah, two minutes is a bit long. So this next question, this is from the transcription on uh on google so i apologize for not reading this this uh or playing this this voicemail out um but two minutes is probably just a bit long so this caller thank you so much has a couple questions for me what kind of barriers to accessing data and information uh for the everyday average retail investor compared to folks that work in institutions and institutional investors as a whole um for example most retail traders might not have a bloomberg terminal access that i have or i know or specialized data that costs money uh that i had at hedge funds or that i personally you know that i have via sentio or other tools which is very expensive um you know do you think that in this day and age that's a huge detriment to finding out about uh finding out for the average retail investor to do their own due diligence um Oh, reading 10Ks and whatnot. Uh, do you think, what resources would you recommend that's available? So that's the first question. It's a great question. So essentially, just to recap, the question is, for retail investors that aren't, that have a, an IRA or portfolio that want to look into stocks, um, what is out there in terms of data that they can go look at? And what I'll always tell you is like, uh, you don't need that. It's these data tools like Bloomberg, CapIQ, FactSet, Centio, all that stuff. Those tools are, you know, what's the right analogy? It's like, it's like cleats for a soccer player. I, I don't really know. It's like, there's some, there's some analogy there where it allows you to get up to speed 
pretty quickly and allow you to model your models pretty quickly and allow you to screen stuff. And that's why I provide, I just updated today, row screens for Roic members on a couple cents.com. So consider supporting the work in our community there. If you're an investor, um, no, no day trading there. FYI. Um, and, uh, if you, it just allows you to do all that work faster. And what is in the pipeline for all of you keep asking me again, like, I'm really sorry. I only have so many hours of my day. Um, on the pipeline is teaching you all how I analyze companies and how to do a DCF, how to do a three statement model. I'm, I'm going to be getting there, you know, saying the, the ROIC stuff is helping support that. Um, we just shot today how to work through the real estate investing model. If you're a real estate investor, I have that for ROIC members and that's part two and that's going up on YouTube. Hopefully, if, however quickly Nia can get it edited. Um, and so I would say, there's a the cool tool called Atom Finance that someone suggested to me. It does seem like they're trying to be a cheaper option, um, but there's nothing nothing can beat reading the 10Ks, reading the 10Qs, and doing some Excel work. Yeah, it might take you um, it might take you 20 hours, 40 hours, but if you find stocks fun and interesting, and you like reading about businesses, uh, then You'll do it, and guess what? You'll have an opinion on that stock for the rest of, for like a decade, as long as you just keep reading up on it, right? You'll understand the business model better. You'll understand um, the valuation a little bit better, how their expenses flow, all that stuff. Um, and I would even say Warren Buffett just reads 10Ks all day in transcripts. Um, he doesn't need, I don't even, he doesn't, he, I don't think he does like DCFs. He doesn't do, he doesn't do any of that. He just kind of knows, he just, knows it. Um, James is saying Coifin is a free option to Bloomberg. Highly recommend it. The only thing I'd just caution you against Coifin or I haven't looked at Adam, Adam Finance is there is a high correlation that I've found between how expensive a tool is and how accurate its metrics are. So just again, I can do, if I just, you just give me the stock price and you give me the 10K, 10Q. I can, I can whip up all the metrics you want, right? Myself manually. PDF, Excel and the stock price. That's all I need, right? And so that's why it's kind of hard to automate is because every company looks a little different. It's it's kind of harder than you'd think to do all these things. So, um, and again, for those of you asking about 10Ks, they're called, they're just the annual reports where they, the company delves into and, and, and explains all of their information, their financials, the company description, who their customers are, all that stuff. So um, do it yourself. Learn to do it yourself. And if you don't like it, and you find you don't love stocks and you don't love investing and you're not willing to invest or invest the time in buying specific stocks, um, you can either go just, just invest in ETFs and buy ETFs that have the theme that you like, like a, a software ETF or a gaming ETF, as long as the expense ratio isn't so bad. Um, or you can like just talk to other ROIC members that we're trying to, that's what we're trying to build here is like a community. Um, and if I, if I can get time and it's like kind of voted up enough, I can do a deep research on it and post content about it. And then I can show you and do all that work for you. So, but again, on the roadmap is teaching you all how to do it yourself. And that's truly what I'm here for is I believe that if you love investing, then you can kind of do it yourself. And if you don't love investing and you want someone else to do it for you, yes, there's a full licensed, you know, financial advisor, professional uh, market out there. They take a test and they tell you what, you know, pretty off the shelf advice, which is bad, which, which isn't bad advice. Usually it's just off the shelf. Right. Um, but if you're your own investor and you know the fundamentals of finance and the fundamentals of valuation and the fundamentals of companies, it's infinitely interesting to me. This is what I do in my free time this is what I think about all the time. Right. I think about businesses. Um, so, uh, just make sure you can do it yourself. I know I've gone on a rant. Okay, second question is that um, he knows, he or she knows some traders that have traveled to do their due diligence, depending on if it's a macro bond trader, obviously not the average person. And do you know any of the funds that you think do this? And is it necessary? So when you're managing uh, millions and millions and millions, possibly billions and billions of dollars as an institutional investor, um, Yes, you have your employees go onto the ground. You guys, have you guys watched The Big Short? 
they did their study in Florida and in, and in Vegas and they found, you know, um, uh, adult dancers having three homes and that like allowed them to have uh, a strong uh, thesis and say like, we are in a bubble here because these people making this much money shouldn't be approved for a loan. Um, yes, yeah, so if you are a normal corporate hedge fund, so you invest in distressed debt, you invest in, um, uh, cre yeah, debt, credit, or I guess loans, uh, mezzanine debt or high yield bonds, all the way down to equities, which is stocks. Uh, you'll probably be doing channel checks. That's what we call them. So you fly somewhere or you do a bunch of calls and you call like the ground floor and you know, it can get as intense as some of the biggest funds. One of which I was, I worked at would buy, um, satellite data on, on barrels of oil getting shipped around the world, uh, satellite data on taking pictures on, uh, on like parking lots if a retail store was doing good or bad and trying to front run earnings uh, using public data, right? It's public. Anybody can go to a parking lot, but can anybody buy satellite data? No. And my, I think my thing is you don't need that. You need that if that's your business and you are managing billions and millions of dollars. But the whole point of what we're trying to do here is finding the next Google, a Apple, Amazon. I mean, I think Amazon still has a lot of legs. It's still, I think Google has a lot of legs. Um, it was pretty darn obvious to me in sixth grade to buy the Google IPO. It was pretty darn obvious to me when I got my hands on the first iPhone to buy Apple in high school. It was pretty darn obvious to me when I was, I was actually one of the first cohorts to get Amazon Prime. Uh, so a lot of these things are really obvious. And yes, you may be paying up a little bit more for them, but guess what? Overpriced today, can, if you buy the right capital compounder, I mean, right, uh, growth and return on invested capital and compounding returns on invested capital will out outgrow any slight 20% over value, right? You just do the math. Seven times 7% times 7% times 7%, but more likely it's like 15% times 15%. So that's what we're trying to do here. And do I need to take satellite photos and get the hedge fund quality data to know that? Probably not. Probably not. Cool. So uh, let's do the next one. Hey, Justin, I'm uh, just watching the live stream and noticed that you got asked about Neo. Um, if you were going to do a little homework on that, I would love to have you do a little homework on uh, ticket symbol BYDDY. That's BYD Company, uh, another Chinese electric car maker that I believe Charlie Munger or maybe just Berkshire Hathaway in general owns a significant stake in. So that'd be great. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much for the question. Doing a bit of homework on BYD. I do not know why it's pumping so hard. Uh, I will, I should probably definitely do some more work on it. It's, it looks like they're trading for 40 billion, um, enterprise value. Let me just take a quick look. So this is what the tools allow you to do. So I would say if you're, if, again, just to recap, if you, for most of you out there that aren't shelling out thousands of dollars a month just to get data tools, um, first of all, you can ask me on Roic and I'll take a quick look and I can give you a snapshot real quick. Um, second of all, um, go on like, yeah, uh, someone, uh, suggested Coifin. There's another one called Adam Finance that's just starting up. Try them and then learn yourself because all this stuff you can do yourself. And I can I can whip it up in like 20 minutes. Um, but it's valuable 20 minutes. But if, if you like enjoying it and if you enjoy doing it, then you should do it. So this thing's trading at 18, 18.75 a share implies $39 billion USD, US dollar, 49, uh, $39 billion enterprise value on 2.3 billion dollars in last year's EBITDA. So on trailing EBITDA, you are trading at, what is that, 20 times? My mental math is off today, I apologize. Divided by two, three, two, eight. Okay, 16.7 times last year's EBITDA. That doesn't sound bad, man. I, I know BYD is China supported. And if you want exposure, 
Yeah, so the ticker for all of you out there is BYDDY, and thank you so much for the question. They are trading at 1.5 times last year's sales. Doesn't seem crazy to me. I know they are China supported, and I know if you believe that this like Chinese bus, uh, Chinese truck market is going to explode, BYDDY, I know BYD, um, at a former hedge fund, we owned one of the big three, or we owned, we were uh, longtime owners of one of the big kind of bus manufacturers in the country. And they were compete. They were scared crap, like scared shitless of, pardon my French, uh, scared shitless of BYD coming in with their electric buses, um, from China. Look, um, I don't know. And RM is asking, how do I know the numbers are correct? I don't know because I'm reading off of an expensive tool. And so I have to, uh, oh, oh, so specifically RM is asking, uh, how do I know that the financials are correct? I agree. I completely agree. So for me, I always thought smaller Chinese companies are really sketchy, right? And so I don't like touching small to midsize. But I am willing to take the chance on very large, thank you, Hook Nation, I appreciate it, on very large Chinese companies that have rigorous auditors. Although do not be fooled by name brands and size of company. We have, what is Nikola now? Okay. So by the way, again, I'm not a told you so guy. So I just bring this up because Nikola is, is it's a great example of the TikTok hype, right? Um, and if you guys ask me about that, like I've, I've spoken my piece about it. They are trading at over 150 times 2021 expected sales. They are trading at $18 billion, even after losing a bunch of value today. $18 billion on zero revenue. Um, right? If like stay away from a lot of those because they could be fudging numbers too. Um, especially if they're Chinese. But if it's like Alibaba, if it's um Tencent and they have they have kind of international auditors. You can feel a bit more comfortable, especially with it's like a big four, like De- Deloitte and Touche, um, you know, what else? A PWC. Uh, I mean, what else is a big four? Big four. I'm blanking today. Counting firms. Uh, KPMG and EY. Yeah. The, I mean, those guys, but again, Arthur Anderson was one of the biggest five, I believe. And they, they were behind, they were the auditor on the Enron fraud. And we just saw Wirecard with the huge with the huge fraud there, right? So I would say just just be careful. Obviously you always have to be careful. Yeah, EY, I'm sorry. I I'm blanking. Um it's been a long day. Um Yeah, James is saying fudging the numbers on zero revenue for Nikola. Yeah, that's true. Like I guess you can't fudge zero. <laughs> um so but again, like BYD is a legit company. And they sell trucks. If you guys looked at the Nikola press release on the Anheuser-Busch, it was actually a test run on a BYD uh, electric truck and a Nikola hybrid hydrogen truck. So BYD is legit. So it doesn't look bad to me. Looks like more homework. That's what it looks like. Can I do now? Yeah, last one. Cool. Last voicemail question. Then we'll pick a winner. Hey, Justin. It's Anthony here. Quick question on a second wave um, with COVID, but the hospitals can't absorb it. Do you, what other event do you think could spook the markets if it's not COVID? Um, are you thinking it could be uh, a Biden win or um, perhaps uh, more escalation with China? Just want to get your sense on whether this is whether you consider this market to be very fragile or it's a lot more resilient given that we've seen probably the worst of COVID. Uh, thanks again, Mike. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. I always love talking to you, Anthony. Um, so Anthony's question, just to recap, is, you know, what is going to spook the market? Is it COVID? Clearly, I mean, clearly not initially. Because I think the 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 data is showing that the mortality, even though cases are rising, mortality, or yes, mortality and hospitalizations are not as bad. Um, I would have thought COVID would have shake, shook it, shaken the markets. 
the, the, the I guess the short of the answer is I don't know, <laughs> to be honest. Um, a Biden win, I don't believe, shakes the markets too hard. Biden is not a... Um, Biden is not Bernie Sanders or AOC, and Biden does not represent a fundamental change in our capitalist system, right? I believe that if COVID spikes and we have to shut down again, you might see it. You definitely see a leg down. Um, where I have come where I've come kind of to the middle, as you guys have known, right? I was very bearish when we hit 2,800. And then as we started ranging around this 29 to 3,100, 3,200 max kind of scene, I've, I've started saying, okay, maybe let's just like kind of, nobody knows. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a fortune teller. Nobody is. Um, you just play odds of, of what's in front of you, like 40% allocated equities and maybe try to keep like 30 to 50% in cash, right? Um, the reason why I believe that is because the S&P 500 and the stock market is dictated by big, the biggest US corporations. So the one thing that very initially I didn't, I didn't like fully, I guess, turn in my mind was the fact that the biggest companies with all this stimulus and all this lending would get all the benefits and would be able to expand their markets um, using their large size and their large capital markets. I thought that the Fed was going to step in in a similar fashion to how they did in 08, which was unprecedented by back then. What happened now is, I, I, you know, I'm going to say this. I thought we were operating in free and open markets. Free and open markets, meaning you let some businesses fail. And they didn't let businesses fail, right? I mean, I know we bailed out banks in 08, but they also let some businesses almost fail or basically fail, right? Bear Stearns and Lehman and all this other stuff. Like they got bought for pennies on the dollar. Uh, instead, they changed literally the fundamentals of finance that I learned in school. We always thought the risk-free rate had a positive percentage rate, not zero. Um, and we always thought that uh, we were dealing with free and open markets, bad companies go bankrupt. Uh, there is a risk-free rate and you have a corporate credit premium spread to the risk-free rate, which is U.S. Treasuries, and then you would have equity risk premiums over that. But then they're buying corporate bonds. Never in the history of Federal Reserve banks or federal banks in general ever have they bought corporate securities. I don't even know. I don't like there's talk about is this like moral hazard? right? I, it's, it's baffling for people who actually understand finance and understand like economic theory. Um, the bazookas that were fired so quickly. All that being said, the end all be all of that, Anthony, is that we are dealing with artificial markets here. And it's not just like, I think like people hear that and then they go create memes and I created a meme. It's really funny. I love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I did a little meme. Um, money, uh, all that Reddit can really say intelligently is money printer go burr, right? But it's not actually that, right? So the reason why stocks had, uh, one of the good reasons why stocks made a really hard run during the Trump presidency is um, because tax rates went down, right? Corporate tax rates went down. So therefore, cash flow throughput goes up and that therefore permanent valuations under this tax regime goes up, right? Um, yes, and Dane is saying, well, I'll get to Dalio's thesis too. I've been looking into, I mean, anyway, so Ray Dalio, we'll talk about that. Um, if inflation, yeah, so Salem, Salem, Salem is saying, if, if inflation is in check, there's no problem there. Yeah, so that's what I've been saying for weeks. It's like, we can create this little bubble-ish thing, this artificial environment, 
And it's just kicking the can down the road for, it's like a wartime. And I've made this analogy in the past. It's like, if we went to war and we had to print a bunch of money to go buy guns and like go to war, uh, what happens is hopefully we win that war, first of all. Um, and the generation, post-war generation, will have to uh, save more than they spend in government sub, like government programs and kind of pay some of that back. And I agree, there could be a soft landing for sure. But what I'm saying is we're dealing with a market that has shaken the fundamentals of when I walked in the door, you know, what is it, 2009 Something like that. I don't know. Whenever it was. Uh, Notre Dame Finance 101. Took my AP classes and I was in the door. I was like teaching about finance. It, they taught me all these things. And it, like capitalism runs on sound money and all this stuff. And now he they're breaking it. So look, I don't, for now, I'm unsure. That's why I believe in this 40-60 allocation, 40 to 50 60 to 50 to 60 allocation and then you kind of leave room there for bitcoin and gold like maybe 10 percent there um, my my opinion is not advice um uh so but there's a there's there's a chink in the armor right so most likely scenario is they know what they're doing they've got all phds in economics they they know what they're doing whether it's moral or not um and capitalist or not or paid off conspiracy theory or not, right? Like who, like why, how did they act so quickly? Is, are someone, is someone telling old Jay pal to go do this really aggressively? I don't know. Um, it's not my job. It's over my pay grade. Um, I don't sit in the New York fed and I don't sit in any of the feds. Um, most likely scenarios, they create this artificial bubble, but it's not really crazy bubble. Second of all, the big corporations, they've created this artificial market. It solved the liquidity crisis and basically allowed the biggest, bigger companies to go bigger and better and just stronger because they have access to that capital. Whereas like your local barbecue joint, your local whatever, aren't going to get, they don't get this stuff and it's, they're just closing their doors. And, but the problem is they're not included in the S&P 500. The S&P 500 are the biggest companies with the access, um, the best access to capital. So, Look, I don't think we are crazy overvalued like we were in 99. Um, we are slightly rich, slightly overvalued, but nothing that can't be soft, soft landing. So I think it's a stock pickers market now, right? I don't like this whole market's weird. Uh, I'm discount. Like, I don't even know what to discount my discounted cash flows at. I just do 10%. Um, so like, cause how are you supposed to do weighted average cost of debt or equity without a risk-free rate? That's true and pristine. I don't know. Um, so anyway, I like certain companies again, guys, the stock watch list for Roic is coming up. I'm, you, as you know, I've revamped the whole, we've revamped the team and I have revamped the Roic's, uh, you know, branding. It looks a little bit nicer. The, the website looks a nicer, a couple cents.com. So go check it out if, if you want. Um, and consider supporting the content and joining a really great investor community um, by joining Roic. Again, it just helps support everything. Um, and yeah, and so stock pickers market, we're getting good names. I've already named a few. Um, you know, Amazon's one. It's a little overpriced, but good. Capital Compounder. Um, and yeah, cool. Um, Let's do, oh, so no more voicemails. Let's pick a, let's pick our first winner of the $20 prize. If you're on TikTok, every Monday, Thursdays, I pick two $20 winners. It's probably going up over time. No, it's not my full-time job. I'm a CFO, full-time job. Um, and go check out a couple cents.com if you want to learn more about me. Um, also, what was I going to say? Uh, $20 raffles. It's only going to go up over time. Chipotle sponsor me. I love your burritos. Um, and, um, I picked two winners. If you want to enter the raffle, go on to my YouTube channel. Just search a couple cents or just to know. And uh, under the description of my live stream that I'm streaming concurrently, uh, just enter it in. Uh, just click the raffle copter link and enter it in. But so we're picking the first one. If you want to go do that now, you, there's still a chance for the second one. Thomas L. Thomas L. Congrats. 20 bucks. You're getting a Venmo or PayPal or Cash App for me, you know, within the next 30 minutes. Awesome. And for those of you asking, uh, you know, Roic, 
I just try to, I provide all this content for free. Um, but Roic's, you know, seven fifty, seven forty nine a month. Um, um, oh, can I raffle off subscriptions? I can. That's a really good idea. I'm going to raffle off two Roic subscriptions. That's a really good idea. Right yeah, I'll do that. Today? Yeah, I'm going to do that today. Okay, so so Thomas L was the first winner, mm -hmm. and we'll pick the second winner in ten minutes. Congrats, Thomas. Um, We're doing that instead of the twenty here. No, no, we'll do second twenty, and then I'll raffle off a couple of Roic subscriptions. If you're uh, a lot of you are Roic members, and we do big monthly Roic member raffles, by the way. So um, uh, yeah, someone won two hundred fifty bucks last last month, being a Roic member. This month it's two fifty. The more, you know, the more people that can join and, and build our really strong community and support it. Like, again, this is all helps Nia really helping me create content. It helps Justin Birnbaum make all these help write up and, and, uh, you know, helps me out. So helps not <laughs> helps, helps me, uh, you know, pay for all these hosting costs. <laughs> Those things are expensive. Um, cool. So let's do another, let's do a couple more just like text questions. Um, I saw, uh, I saw, oh, Dalio's thesis, I do agree, just to sum it up, I do believe that these zero interest rate environments um, are going, like, I do believe in this long multi-decade hollowing of the middle class, which has also been spurred by the, the removal of the manufacturing jobs from this country. I mean, if you think about why America had a really strong middle class over time, it was because we had these jobs that you didn't need a college degree to do, but you made a great living, you could support a one income household, and you get a pension and retirement through like Ford Motor Company, I'm like a widget maker, right? All that stuff, all that stuff like kind of went away, and we got sold this belief about go to, you know, bottom quartile college, and, and do what you love, right? Do what you love. So people started majoring in like, you know, you know, uh, I don't know, men's gender studies, like, which is, there should definitely be male gender studies, like people out there for like his history purposes. But there was a lot of like for-profit movement. There's a lot of for-profit colleges now, some of which have a high ROI. Um, but I was just saying like, look, I think we've had a lot of different forces do that, but, but lowering interest rates drives up asset, asset prices because your discount rates lower. So your asset prices are higher. And so who owns assets? Traditionally, I know maybe post, um, thank you, Leo. Appreciate it. So traditionally most, um, I would say when you talk about low interest rate environment and who owns stocks, it's usually, what was this? Well, let me just Google this. Like top percent of households own stocks. This is going to stun you, right? Um, a whopping 84%. This is from 2018. So maybe different after this whole COVID stuff and the, the, the rush to Robin Hood. But a whopping... at at that time in 2018, a whopping 84% of all stocks owned by Americans belong to the top 10% of households, okay? So when you talk about zero interest rate environments driving up asset prices because your discount rate is lower, who owns the stocks? It's the top 10%. So, so the wealth of the top 10% is going up, whereas everyone else that doesn't own stocks is, is stagnating and basically in relation, inflate, like seeing... I guess, value uh, degradation to their dollar. Because one, the bottom 90% has little savings, let alone own stocks that are getting pumped up by a zero interest rate environment that started in the great financial crisis. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little scared, right? Because I think you can probably draw a correlation to, um, right? Uh, oh yeah, pre-World War II Germany was a low interest rate environment with hyperinflation. Right. As a financial oriented person, I see the world through the lens of finance. And to me, World War Two was probably the biggest factor was the fact that, uh, you know, post World War One Germany was just economically horrible and ripe for a person to just come in and and, you know, like 
convince all these really poor starving Germans to like follow a strong man. And unfortunately it was just the Nazi party. Um, so I, I, I love history like that too, like economic history. So, uh, cool. Let's do one. Let's do a couple more. Um, Matt, I'm not bagging on your degree. I, I, uh, so Matt, I don't know what your degree is. I, I is it male? Matt B is asking, dang, bagging on my degree. Is your degree male gender studies? Um, if so, I said, I did say, right. I bag on my wife's degree too. Like she's a Russian history major. We have all these like, like Russian communist gulag books over here because she studied that in college. And she, what does she do? She does financial corporate communications for a big PR firm in New York city. It's like not, it's not Russian history. So did she get an ROI on her degree? You know, like think about ROI, everything in life that isn't, um, that isn't, you're right. You have to bifurcate your brain, right? Left, right, left brain, right brain. To me, it's like fun brain, serious brain. If it's a serious purchase in your life, you need to ask this one question. And that's why we called it ROI connect ROIC. What is my ROI? Right. And ROI can look like a, little, a lot of different things, but if it's play money, if you're in the casino, like just, just write, like just do whatever you want. Right. Cool. Um, <laughs> Matt. Okay. So Matt's an engineer. I'm guarantee you, Matt, that is a high ROI degree. So jokes on me. Funny. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. So let's do, okay. So Nate, I know you've been saying HCA. So HCA, I'm going to say HCA because HCA is, uh, dear to my heart because I moved to Nashville almost four years ago and, um, HCA was born and raised in Nashville it is headquartered in Nashville. It's the country's largest hospital owner group or hospital company in, in the country. And they own and operate a bunch of, uh, hospitals around the country. And so, um, and so let me look and look them up on Sentio. They're a huge company. They've basically put Nashville on the map. Nashville is a huge healthcare services town and it's all thanks to HCA, a lot of healthcare. So if you're starting up like a healthcare software company, like almost no better place, I would even argue Nashville is a better place to find your seed capital or venture capital here rather than even Silicon Valley, just cause we are like that healthcare town. Cool. So I like them. Uh, they are trading at $70 billion valuation. Okay. HCA ticker, HCA, HCA healthcare. Um, they are trading at a 12, five to 12% free cash flow yield. Let me go in. That's huge. That's really good. Yeah. HCA is on the rogue value stock screens. Yes, I agree. Cause it looks good. It looks good. They're trading at nine times this year's EBITDA seven times or under seven times next year's EBITDA. Um, Let's see. Huge free cash flow yield. Yeah, you're talking about five to twelve percent free cash flow yield, depending on how far we're we're going into it. Um, let's see. Do they do dividends? What's their div yield? Let me go to summary real quick. HCA Healthcare. Um, dividend yield. Uh, not not a no dividend yield worth talking about. I will say for those of you that don't know healthcare very much, the one thing to know about why I'm a little bit iffy on um, hospitals in general is because traditionally all the money goes to hospitals. One night in the ER costs the payer. So I'm talking about like whether or not it's your, your private commercial insurance. So you're talking about, you know, if you work for a company and they provide you healthcare insurance and, um, they like, so you have United health or Humana or something. Um, it costs Humana like 12 to 20 grand per night for you to stay in the hospital in the ER, right? It's expensive versus care. Like I, I'm a little biased cause my company, we work in post-acute healthcare. Um, in home healthcare. And again, pre-World War II, much of the home healthcare was happening in the home. Um, we're seeing a huge movement to save costs because more and more like, right, people are talking about universal healthcare and how do we save costs. I actually think Medicare does a really good job. Uh, 
kind of what Medicare does, they make all these things and they ratchet down profitability so that the private markets get more and more efficient. They're pretty good. Um, six months of care in home health care, or sorry, it's not six months, 60 days of care. I apologize. 60, day, 60 days of care um, in home health care costs like three grand to send nurses and PTs. Again, you can't be as acute, but you can be kind of, if you had a surgery and you're like post-acute or something like that, or chronically ill, like for an elderly folks, it costs you three grand for 60 days of care on post-acute, on home healthcare. Um, where I believe the net loser in healthcare from COVID is uh, nursing homes. Like you guys have seen, read the articles, right? Nursing homes are getting absolutely destroyed lots of mortality specifically in nursing homes i think they're the net loser out of this and so but um so that the big qualm i think hga healthcare is a good value stock and how it how COVID affects them is if the government says no more elective surgeries that's where they make all the money hca makes or any of the hospital companies make all their money on they lose money every Medicare or Medicaid patient that comes in the door and they make money on like commercial pay, private pay people. So elective surgeries, they make, that's where they make their money and they have to pay all this money to like staff up these gigantic hospitals with all these equipment, this equipment and all that stuff. So I would say, I think they're going to bounce back. Elective surgeries are back. Um, are they going to get overwhelmed? I don't know. We just talked about how I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. Neither do you, neither do, neither does Fauci, right? I mean, nobody knows, right? I just, I'm, we're, we're here, we're investors, we're playing odds, right? Or educated probabilities. And HGA is going to be around. They're going to dominate hospitals. But just remember when you buy this value stock, which looks great, looks great. Healthcare is underperformed. The S&P 500, it's the second worst performing sector through this rally. I will say after software tech domination from those, those guys, I believe in healthcare. We have an aging population. Um, I believe in post-acute healthcare, so that, but post-acute's a lot. It's not just home healthcare. It's like, it's like inpatient rehabilitation facilities, skilled nursing facilities, private duty. There's a lot of other things there. Um, I believe it's a great value stock, probably undervalued relative to the market. Um, if we can get, but I think the uncertainty priced in right now is like, what's going to happen? Are hospitals going to get overwhelmed? Is the government going to shut down elective surgeries and therefore give HCA, like take away all HCA's like revenue? But to me, they're well capitalized and better capitalized um, than all the other small players, right? So if they do run into trouble, they'll have access to the capital markets and um, they'll be able to come through over 10 years. So if you see like a, a mad rush out of the stock, like it's, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid, um, it's a solid company. Uh, so just, just, I mean, it's good. I think it, it probably makes sense to have in a, as a value allocation on your portfolio. Um, cool. So. Cool. You guys all know I like FMCI as a casino play. I like it. Um, and let's pick the second winner. Second $20 winner. Always on YouTube. Always on Rafflecopter in the description of my live stream on YouTube. Park Z. Park Z. Park Z. You know who you are. He also didn't give his PayPal though, so tell him. To oh, Park Z. You won $20. Nia's saying you didn't put your PayPal or whatever. Park Z, um, congrats. Uh, so did he leave his email? I'll email you. I'll email you. I'll privately get your Venmo and we'll get, we'll get you 20 bucks. And then let's pick two more winners for, um, for ROIC memberships for a month, free month. On this? Yes. Okay. okay, next one's Justin G. Justin G, are you a ROIC member? You want a, Roic, a free month on ROIC, if you're not. And then let's pick the second one. Second one is Max, I'll call it X. Max X. Max X, you also won a um, free month on ROIC. Appreciate everyone on there though, by the way. Like, 
I, I know it costs a little bit of money, but like it really helps support like stand up that website. Like get oh oh Eugene or okay Eugene, someone saying they had the membership already. So let's which one? I, I don't know. Max Max X, do you have a membership? All right. Can we do one more? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do one more. Let's do one. Let's do an alternate, just in case. The alternate is Wayne Y. Wayne Y. Wayne Y. In Canada. In Canada. Oh crap! Oh. So much to juggle. I have to do the row of Q and A's. I have to do the row of Q and A's. Sorry, everyone. The reason why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got a lot going on. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to address row Q and A. So you guys get another like 10 minutes of me forums. I swear we're, I, I, I have like to do lists and okay, cool. I may have to do, uh, specific replies on these Q and A's. Um, okay. For those of you asking about, um, Q&As on uh, the ROIC specific Q&As. I'm going to be, I, it's my bad, I dropped it the, at the top of the show. I'm going to be uh, commenting on, on our ROIC forums, uh, like specific replies, and I'm going to try my best. I'm going I'm to get to that like in the next day or two, okay? So I apologize. A lot going on, juggling a lot. It's been a, it's been a rough Monday, but I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you all tuning in. And if you didn't win 20 bucks today, there's always Thursday. I'm always live Monday, Thursdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, where we talk about markets, investing, real estate, stocks, stuff, shooting the shit. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, everyone. I know. They do fly by, William. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.